Hi there. Welcome to Bros Watch PLL2. I am Benjamin Light. And I am Marco Sparks. And today we are here to talk about S4E12. Now you see me, now you don't. <sighs> At long last. At long last, the mid-season finale. 4A. Uh, took a while to get here. This episode written by I, Marlene King and Brian Holdman. Directed by Norman Buckley. One of our favorites. Mm-hmm. Uh, having this, been, um, sorry, I would say having been lucky enough to read a little bit more online about uh, Norbuck's interests and inspirations, you can only assume that the script was just like candy to him. Well, this is an interesting episode because it almost feels like two different episodes in one. Yeah, and we'll, we'll get to where the the divider is. Um, but to start with, we open with the uh, the exposition news is on in Spencer Hastings' kitchen. She has a TV in there that only turns on for the news. And nothing else. About police and legal matters, yeah. This is the day after the uh, <laughs> hoedown. Um, yes, uh, breaking news. New witnesses come forward. Uh, unconfirmed inside sources say this witness has detailed information about the crime and the parties involved. And picture of Wilden and his like, cop being for him. Uh, so the liars are watching this and uh, they're just kind of, you know, Hannah's very concerned. The doorbell rings. Spencer goes to get it. Well, I wanted Spencer to be like, what is that? I've literally never heard that sound before in my house. The only time the doorbell rings in the Hastings house is when A delivers him like weird kind yeah. of like artsy, crassy, uh, threatening messages. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Hannah, she's like, I, you know, she turns to TV off. She says, I don't get this. Why would the cops want my mom to come in for a lineup if Travis told the truth? Uh, and she's kind of worried that like maybe A got to Travis. Maybe he's going to recant or change his story. Uh they don't really have it. Uh, or I'm sorry, cutting, cutting, jumping ahead there. Emily's like, "Don't go there, Hannah." Travis made her promise. Travis made you promise, and he seems like a stand-up guy. Emily, who never even saw Travis in the previous episode, seems like a stand-up guy. Like, why would you trust anyone at this point? Right. Uh, right. And Aria says, "Plus, he's really cute, and he's quite the dancer." The Aria has decreed. Yeah, very unhelpfully, and then she drinks out of an empty coffee mug that she pretends has coffee in it. <laughs> Spencer comes back in with a package. They open it up. It's a kind of a nice wooden box. Well, so she brings back this package. She says it's addressed to all of us. Nice shades of season two's over my dead body. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, Spencer turns the, the the package, and they all basically like rip it open together. Yeah, the, there's a lot of synchronized opening of packages in this. Yeah. Uh, so they all rip it open. It's a nice wooden box. They open the box up on the hinge and there's four magic eight balls inside one for each liar with their names on it i just have to say this is literally only a minute and a half in the episode and i was mm-hmm. like i was like riveted <laughs> so, so magically they know how to read them in order yeah uh, uh, hannah says if she goes free and spencer continues you'll hear from me mm-hmm. and emily says kisses and then aria says a because Arya's a of course yeah so there's, there's a whole lot of uh, I don't know if, I don't know what word to use for this. I'll call it misdirection for now. Mm-hmm. A whole lot of just suggested intent around Arya. Like, what is so special about Arya, and when why why is she being focused on so much? And it could all just be a red herring. Mm, quite possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, she is the shisher, though. Yeah. So Hannah basically says, you know, so if my mom gets off, and Arya finished that sentence, uh, Cece's coming for us. Mm-hmm. Emily's had enough. She says, I say bring it. Maybe she'll leave our parents alone. She looks at Arya. She says that. 
I was going to make a joke about how, how Arya is like hardly ever touched by A, but I guess technically Arya did force her mom out of the country because of A. Oh, and Arya's of. like, I almost got poked in the eye. Yeah. Don't forget about that. So Spencer then, of course, gets the last line when she says, or did she just declare World War A? And really, somebody should hashtag, hashtag that shit. I think what she actually said was, or did she just declare hashtag World War A? Yeah, As the wink. camera like pushes in on her. And she winks at the audience. Mm-hmm. Like glit in her eye. Yeah. And then we get the credits. World War A. I mean what wouldn't World War A suggest two A's fighting each other? I don't know. Uh, A's from all over the world. Drawn that, into a war by stupid uh secret alliances and packs. That would be wonderful. I, I would was love- like, well, I guess I'm going after Cece now. I would love to like we could start like making jokes about like the A axis. Mm-hmm. Uh oh, that'd be awesome. Um, so yeah, after the credits, we're looking at a police lineup. Ashley Marin's in the lineup. This is the usual suspects. You take a look at the the other like uh you know ladies with the uh, auburn hair that they've assembled in this lineup. The uh not Ashley Marin's. Well, the the one that's like number four. What's going on there? All right, I, I don't have it in front of me. I know you have it in front of you right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of these ladies looked a lot like Lisa Rinna to me, which, LOL. Like, yeah, yeah, that's the one I'm looking at. Okay, so there's like an alternate terrifying universe out there where like Alexis Denisoff and like Lisa Rinna could be playing Arya's parents, I feel like. No, yeah. No offense, Alexis Denisoff, he'd be fantastic. Um, but oh, yeah, oh, and then is, like all the way over at number five is like off-brand Spencer for some reason is in there. I know the first chick is like... What what is she doing there? Like yeah. you're no, you're no Ashley Marin. Something something something. Kaiser says. Well, like, what we don't know is that all five of these women have killed someone. <laughs> so Travis is there. He's the guest of honor. Some lady, and I just wrote in my notes at this point, maybe the DA, though it is the DA, mm-hmm. is talking to Travis, saying that they need him to give a positive idea on the woman leaving the scene of the woman's murder before the shots are fired. Travis watches, you know. Well, he nods, he like gulps, you know, like he's real nervous for some reason. When they go through the whole motions of all these women taking steps forward, saying the line like, uh, like, give me the keys, you fucking cocksucker. Give Um, me the keys, cocksucker. What the fuck? (laughs) In English, please. Um, But blah, blah, blah. The tension here, you know, Travis stares. The main thing is Ashley sets forward and then sets back. He doesn't say shit. Yeah, yeah. And then he's like, I'm not sure if I can do this. Yeah, it's like they want us to think he's gonna welch or something, but like Hannah would just straight up murder him if he did. So yeah, Ashley Marin and the rest of her girl pop group there. Uh, so then we cut to Rosewood High, start off a nice establishing shot, and then we're inside Ezra's classroom, where he's actually talking to a, a classroom full of students about the witches in Macbeth and the fairies and forest nymphs in Midsummer's Night's Dream. Talking some Shakespeare. Uh, he says, but beyond having a sorcerer as a protagonist. The Tempest considers the magical quality of love at first sight, which I believe is probably the logline for PLL, right? <laughs> I mean, isn't that how, well, like, Iron Marlene King pitched this show? You can't go wrong with a good Tempest reference. Uh, and of course, as he's saying this, Arya's, at first she's in, like, rapt attention, dressed like a college girl from the 50s. She looks like Olivia Newton-John in Greece. Yeah, she's got, like, the, the old school, like, Letterman type sweater on. It's pink and white. Yeah. Uh, she's in rapt attention until he starts talking about love at first sight and shit, and then she's kind of getting queasy. Because the love between Miranda and Ferdinand is a force of nature. The love that reunites torn countries and sets captive spirits free. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, the bell rings. And Fitz is like, well, yeah. Oh, let's sorry, just say real quick. Ezra is teaching the school lesson, like, so, like, buoyantly, like, jubilant. 
He's mm-hmm. teaching this like he just nailed his ex-girlfriend last night. But I don't think he did. No, we didn't. Yeah, no, she, she probably left. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then, of course, the bell rings. So he says, make sure everybody read the first act for next week. They all get up to read. And all get up to leave. And Ezra says, Miss Montgomery, can I have a minute of your time? And so she stays, and I, I do enjoy the way the other liars all they're kind of looking to her, kind of lingering, waiting for the nod that it's okay, because mm. otherwise they're just going to stay. They're like, mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, so she comes over to his desk, and Ezra's like, you know, thanks for coming over last night. I really needed you. I just didn't know how to ask. That's why I dropped clues like a madman and basically sent your friend mm-hmm. Emily running to you. But yeah, Arya says, of course, she was glad to be there for him. As a friend. And she leaves and Ezra makes sad pedo face. Oh, but Arya's face as she walks out into the hallway is amazing. Believe then, if you please, that Arya Montgomery can do strange things. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, so, <laughs> we should make a lot of Ricky Jay references. Indeed. Uh, so, of course, Jake calls immediately. And I, I totally expected her to hang up, hang up on him or like not answer. But yeah. she does. And she says, hey, are you still on for tonight? Uh, she's like, cool. There's this poetry reading at the brew. They're calling him a contemporary Poe. Uh-huh. Oh, sure. No, 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 no. It's uh, it's cool. We can do dinner and a movie or something. Mm-hmm. All right, bye. Clearly put out. Yeah, clearly put out because Karate Jake is also Philistine Jake. I guarantee you, there's a poetry reading at the brew. They're calling him a contemporary Poe. Karate Jake doesn't know what half those words mean. Would have liked to hear the other end of this conversation. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Poetry? Fuck that. Yeah, so <laughs> can we just go back to your place and nail? Um, yeah, so Arya walks off, and then we see Ezra step out of his classroom in the background, looking over to where she just was, and Ezra walks away. My notes just say, you done goofed, Jake. Yeah. Um, you should know better than to uh, turn down a, a poetry date with Arya. Jake just got served. Uh, so at the police station, Caleb and Hannah are by themselves. They're, like, touching each other's faces. Some very weird PDA. Ashley's like over on a bench, like watching them. You know, Caleb then brings a cup of coffee over to Ashley because we get the impression that he's basically went on a coffee run for Hannah and Ashley. Uh, you know, Ashley says thank you, and Caleb's like, "Well, don't thank me yet. They probably made it yesterday." And Ashley's like, "Not for the coffee." Bow chicka bow bow. Yeah, I don't know why, but whenever maybe it's just the Laura Layton just kind of exudes you know, sexual power. But whenever she has scenes with Caleb, it, it feels like like they're gonna hook up. Like, just crazy charisma, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, Ashley appreciates the way he's taking care of Hannah. She doesn't worry about Hannah as much when she's with Caleb. You know, Ashley ships them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Caleb sits up with her and tells her that she didn't deserve any of this. She's apparently very proud of the way ha- Ashley's, like, handled this storyline. And he's like, look, Hannah never settles. When she goes after something, she's fearless. Now I know where she gets that. Crazy vibes here, yo. And Ashley says, well, I've had my moments, I promise you. And he's like, yeah, well, you didn't break. Now she says, Caleb, after all we've been through, you can call me Ashley. And thus all my fan fiction begins. Yeah, poor Caleb's time is running out here on the show. So I feel like he's like just desperately trying to squeeze in some Call me Ashley, and he can call me anytime. Yeah, he needs trying to like squeeze in some like meaningful, heartfelt scenes where he can. Also, I want to team up with like Seals and Croft and Keegan Allen to write a song called You Can Call Me Ashley. And you can call me anytime. Yeah. Uh, Hannah Marsh is over. She's impatient as fuck. What's taking these cops so long? And then we see in the background, like, Travis coming out of the lineup viewing room with the DA. The DA comes over to Ashley. DA's name is Sydney Barnes. 
I believe uh, that the actress who's playing her is actually like another YA writer. Not oh, well. totally sure, but I think that's the case. Interesting. Um, she introduces herself. The DA just wants to tell Ashley herself that she's dropping that they're dropping the charges against her. She's free to go. Ashley's happy, so she like hugs the fuck out of Hannah. You know, Caleb looks over at Travis across the bullpen, and they bro nod each other. This is um, a a subtle yet powerful bro nod between well, the two. Compare and contrast this bro nod to the awkward awkward murder vibes that passed mm-hmm. Ezra and Jake last week. Yeah, yeah, those guys are not bros. These guys are total bros. Yeah, uh, so they've never even met, I don't think, and, and yet they're bros. Uh, they met last week when. Well, uh, they kind of like Hannah was like, "This is one of Mikey's friends. It's a bet." Eh? Yeah. Yeah, so cut the Rosewood High, where Emily and Paige walk out of school together. Do you think uh, Caleb was like, hey, Hannah, you kind of lie a lot. I feel like Caleb knows what side the uh, mm-hmm. the bread is buttered on by now. Um, yeah. Paige is like, I'm thrilled for Hannah and her mom, but I'm worried for you. If uh, Amy makes good on her threat, uh, Emily brands A a terrorist. That's what she wants, to make us worry, and we can't give in to her. If you give in to A, then terrorists win, Paige. Mm-hmm. And Paige is like, well, I'd feel a lot better if I knew where Cece was, because right now it feels like she's everywhere. And then in parentheses, and nowhere is what she should have ended yeah. with. Well, I think that's cute, because it's like Paige thinks that she's actually like one of the liars. Yeah, kind of. I mean, she she's a, a top-tier SO. I guess. And she's not like Ren, you know? Well, indubitably. Ren or Lucas, like the kind of, like, you know, backup boyfriend status. She's not that. True, true, true. Um, you know, Emily says they know like uh, where to look now, who to look out for. Emily feels like they're so close to putting the end of this game. And also, I just want to—I wish I could say like put an end to like more things in my life. <laughs> um, so Paige has a suggestion. How about until they put an end to this dangerous game, Emily spends the night at Paige's house. That way, Paige will know that Emily is safe. She can be possessive oh. as hell. Spends the night together at yeah. Emily's house. Yeah, yeah. Um, and. Emily seems into it. She smiles. They hold hands. Um, Where, where's Pam in all this? Because Emily's like living in a new house every night. And Pam well, is like, well, fuck me. I guess I'll stay at the motel. What is Pam? Did Pam ever move in up Jessica De Laurentiis? I don't think so. I mean, I feel like, like so like Emily's moved out, right? And mm-hmm. so Jessica De Laurentiis says to Pam, well, you can stay in Allison's room now. And Pam's like, fuck that. <laughs> no, thanks. I quite enjoy motel life. I will sleep in the backseat of my car before yeah. I do that. Um, I get, I get ice from the machine every day. I would pretend I'm a writer. There's a guy. He like crushes the cubes of his armpit. It sounds gross. It's actually kind of fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, Such so as kitchen. We cut to such so as on the phone. She's leaving a voicemail for Toby. She says, I need to know that you're okay. She asks him to at least call his bros, Emily or Caleb, and check in. And she has to say please like a few hundred times. Yeah. She hangs up. We can see this is the fourth call she's made to Toby this afternoon. We can also tell, not that it matters, that it's sometime after 3.15 p.m. right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, like, what the fuck, Toby? Jesus Christ. That Oh, man. That, nothing will annoy me more than the just no contact at all. You mean like, Toby's not- usual move? Or just in general, like like not even the text or, or anything. Uh, just, right. Uh, right. Yeah. Uh, so then she looks at her magic eight balls again. She's very concerned. She's looking at the one that says A. She's Arias. on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we got to Hannah's leg. Hannah's house. <laughs> got to Hannah's house and Ashley's <laughs> legs as they come down the stairs. She's wearing a dress that like she's doing it a favor, which is what Ashley always does. Sleeveless the- black zipper all the way up the front. 
This is basically that scene from She's All That. <laughs> yes, it basically is. Um, the girls cheer her on. Miss Marin, you look incredible. And Emily says, Pastor Ted's jaw's going to hit the floor when he sees you. And uh, Emily, that's possibly not the only body part in Pastor Ted that will have an extreme reaction. Pastor Ted. I hate <laughs> Pastor Ted. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she's like, not too much. Kind of zips up uh, you know, neckline a little. And they all say no. Because, of course, like, nothing's ever too much for the liars. No. And Hannah's like, Mom, you look perfect. And Ted may have the patience of a saint, but he's still a man. He's been waiting a while. Yeah. And Ashley makes this very cute, like, embarrassed face. Like, oh, God, that's my daughter saying this. <laughs> Ashley's like, all right, girls, I'm out of here. I am DTF. <laughs> oh. Too bad you're dating Pastor Ted. Yeah, so the four liars head in the kitchen. It's time to get down to serious, serious business. Well, yeah, this is kind of a strange cut because they all walk in and you're expecting them to get down like, to the serious well, you'd shit. You expect like there to be like maps mm-hmm. <laughs> and plans for war for them to like like flip over like the, like a something on the table and it's like a big board or but something. It's, it's basically that only it's food. Yeah, it's they have not. a a ton of food on the kitchen island, and this this food appears to be like delivered like it's like gifts like like you know comfort food from neighbors like congratulatory there's good job beating that murder app yeah candies cookies casseroles flowers and gift passes there i would love to think that rosewood is the kind of town that has its own like special catering service for when you either get out of prison beat a murder rap or come back from a mental institution well rosewood's like we'll talk a lot of shit about you when you've got the murder charge hanging over you but if you beat it, like we've we've got the casseroles and the pies headed your way. Yeah, like good neighbors. Mm-hmm. Um, so the question is posed: Where do we start? And they're gonna start at the ends and work their way towards the dessert in the middle. Well, I love that. That's Spencer's grand plan, which is you know basically what Napoleon did. Um, then the doorbell rings. Hannah grabs the keys off the counter, assumes that that's her mother who forgot her keys, so she heads to the door. Oh boy. Um, of course we see that someone is watching the girls from outside Hannah's kitchen because. They always are. I mean, they should do yeah. something about that. <laughs> yeah, I know a lot of people complain the girls never close the blinds on the show, but why even bother? You just, but I mean, then they just puts a camera in there. You know, it's it's all their houses at some point, but it's always outside Hannah's kitchen. Mm-hmm. I mean, a might also just have like a camera on a tripod that Hannah and Ashley yeah. don't even fuck with. So out on the porch, Hannah finds an, another package with all their names on it. She brings it in. They put it on the table in the kitchen. Well, it's, it's subtle, but. It, the names are all in, in two lines. Aria Hannah, Emily Spencer. Ooh, interesting grouping there. My dumb yeah. theory. Um, yeah, so we cut to back to inside Hannah's, you know, Hannah then lays out the package. Hannah says it's for all of us. Aria's like, well, what happens if we don't own it? Open it. And the, the, we don't have anything to do in this episode, Aria. Duh. Spencer says we can't win the game if we don't know what, what, the, what it is. So they start tearing it apart together again. Synchronized package opening. It is a small white coffin. As though for a child. Yeah. And they're all a little freaked out, but they go ahead and open up that coffin anyway. And inside is a doll, uh, which Hannah correctly identifies as Mona. It's it's like a nerdy Mona doll. It's a nerdy. I feel like Mona should be really offended and upset. Eh, I mean, it's like what? Oh, kind of a frumpy denim dress. And well, was it was it a nerdy Mona doll in the uh, season four premiere as well? Um, well, that's a good question. I'd have to check. I'm not sure. Well, I love that. Like a like. That, that's I, th- I believe a, it was. Where A's concerned, that's where Mona's trapped. Mm-hmm. She's always going to be nerdy Mona. Indeed. Uh, so, yeah, Hannah's like, yeah, this is Mona. And 
they all get simul texts, of course. And the texts read, Hannah won, so Mona loses. Find her before the cops, or they'll think you killed her. A. No kisses here. Yeah, no kisses. Just a Hannah, very concerned, as usual. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just, hey, leave Mona alone. Because yeah, she's church. wonderful. Yeah, everyone shares this mutual, this is fucked up look. So later, we're still in Hannah's kitchen. The liars are all watching the TV. Uh, <laughs> the exposition news is on. Yeah, Hannah got herself one of those exposition-only TVs. Caleb's there. Uh, the headline is basically breaking news in the murder of the investigation of Detective Darren Wilden. Uh, Caleb calls over to Hannah, you know, hey, the news is on. It's always on in this one channel. Um, but Hannah's on the phone. She gives him like that, you know, one second finger gesture. Spencer informs Caleb and us that Hannah's on the phone to Radley. We find out that the news, which is WDLH9 news, that the police released a sketch this afternoon of the suspect they're searching for. Which we see, and it's basically an illustrated sketch of C.C. Drake. In case you didn't get that, though. <laughs> it's Aria, a really good sketch of C.C. Drake. In case you didn't get it, Arya tells us, it's C.C. Well, Travis is like, couldn't really see, but apparently I can give you this really excellent information to make a sketch. Uh, and yes, it definitely is Nerdy Mona. I just checked it's, uh, S41. I would love to like have to sit down with a sketch artist and like just be the subject of the questions they ask you to like I think formulate just like, those sketches. I think there's just like an app for that now, actually. But I mean, like, what, you're like trying to describe someone's mouth, and then they draw something or whatever, and it's like, like this, like yeah, this, like this. It's you a know. talent. Um. So Spencer says, "Oh my God, she really did do it." Which, <sighs> well, because Spencer she accuses everyone constantly, and it's I think it's a shock. It's like, wait, I was right. Like all my like kind of random like bad vibes about CC are correct. That's weird. She's like, who's high-fiving me first? Yeah. Uh, Caleb says they haven't ID'd CC yet, but eventually someone's going to recognize her, because right now it's just a sketch. Um, Emily suggests that they find Mona fast. Hannah gets off the phone. She informs the group that Mona's no longer a patient at Radley. What? Arya's like, was she released, or was she sent to another hospital? And Hannah says it's privileged information. So Spencer jumps into action. I'll go make a house call to Dr. Ren. He's privileged. Emily, so- you can circle back to school. It's French Club Friday. So maybe somebody's heard from her. So many LOLs that he's privileged. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, Emily says, sure. I wonder if the cafeteria also has like a French Friday as well. Um, Emily's supposed to meet oh, up with Paige. That's bad. She, yeah, I know. But she's supposed to meet up with See yourself out. <laughs> I'll do the rest of the podcast alone. <laughs> you should just pause every few moments for like silence as if mm-hmm. I'm here. So Emily says, I was supposed to meet Paige. I'll just take her with me. And so those two, Hannah and Emily, take off. They've got their missions. Yeah, Arya's like, I was supposed to cook dinner for Jake, but I'll just cancel. Arya's probably dying to cancel that date, well, that blockhead. Would she cancel on Ezra? I'm not so sure. I mean, maybe, but... Well, she doesn't have to cancel on Ezra. She just has to show up for five minutes and then like get a text and walk out. Exactly. It's like, that's fine. It's uh, <laughs> like, says, that's a totally normal thing that happens. Yeah, Hannah says no, especially since they all know what CeCe's cable of. She tells Arya to keep Jet Li. As close as she can. <laughs> yeah, she's like, uh, yeah, keep that guy around purely for protection. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Hannah goes to get her purse. You know, Caleb asks where she's going. Hannah says, define Mona. And uh, Caleb tells her, slow down. This could be your ex-BFF messing with us. He says that she's probably eating popcorn and watching us play Desperately Seeking Mona, which is a weird reference for Caleb to make. Caleb makes weird references sometimes. But- he hates Mona. But does that mean that secretly he loves her? Also, Caleb, did it never occur to you that Mona might be dancing with the stars? Mm-hmm. 
that's much better. Um, Hannah points out that if Cece does have Mona, then you know, considering that the cops basically know that she killed Wilton, that means that she has nothing left to lose. Yeah, so Hannah takes off, and then we go to... We end on Caleb's face. Oh, yeah, Caleb. Who's, which is feeling increasingly useless on this show. Yeah, then we cut to outside Ren's place. Uh, Spencer's on the stoop. She's ringing the door. You know, come on, Ren, please be home. No one's answering, so she quickly tires of this, and there's like a little table on the porch that she moves in front of the door and steps up on mm-hmm. to spy inside the uh, windows. There's very high windows on these uh, doors here. Right. Uh, so she can see inside uh, the place. There's a couple boxes and some packing tape and like some like match luggage and some posters that are being back- packaged up like Ren's moving. Yeah. Like whoever's living here is getting the fuck out. There's no furniture. Uh, I like the match luggage. It's very Ren. Mm-hmm. Very posh. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Ren was very shady a couple episodes ago and now he's getting out of town. Yeah. Interestingly enough. And, uh, so Spencer gets down, she puts the table back and oh, she, she puts it back. Yeah. She's leaving. She, she walks away from the porch, walking down the street. And then we see like in the window, Hey, there's Shauna. She's just watching. Well, so first though, Spencer, she literally like turns away from the door and Oh shit. There's Jenna's Mustang parked right there. Like, well, well, if you if you freeze frame it, you can see Shauna watching her before we see the Mustang. Okay, yeah. but I mean, like Spencer's just like what, and it's like Spencer that did not just show up. Like, yeah, how did you not you, notice that? You had to walk past that. <laughs> it's not the first time in this episode she will totally miss something that she's staring right at. Yeah. Um. Then she looks at one of the windows right as Shauna's staring out the window, and then Shauna ducks back. And you know, I, I so we cut inside Ren's place. We see Shauna like hugging the side of the window, hoping Spencer didn't see her. We can see Spencer, like, you know... Spoiler alert, Shauna. She saw you. Yeah, I wanted Spencer to just yell in, of course I fucking saw you. (laughs) But Spencer's like, the gears are just grinding in her head, like, what the fuck is this? Shauna is inside Ren's empty place? I don't even know what's going on. Yeah. So she just, she's very suspicious, but she walks off. Uh, So then, Rose and Hyde, we go to a classroom which is housing the French Club, which may be the biggest dorks of all time. These dorks make the dorks and the Holy Roller Virgin Society look like Jordan Catalanos. Yeah, and the uh, French club chick here, Jackie, she says in French with subtitles, wrong room, this is the French club. Wow, you you even got the subtitles. This is not Jackie Molina, by the way. This is just some frog-obsessed loser. Like, wrong room, what, what, what is she trying to imply here? Like, a swim team thing, a lesbian thing? I don't know. Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't like her. Are we going to split attitude. hairs here? Yeah. French club? Uh, Emily is like, you're Jackie, right? And she answers in French that she is. And Emily says, you haven't heard from Mona, have you? And Jackie says, in French, please, in French. If that's not too confusing. Uh, in, in Francais, she says, in French, please. <laughs> this is where I wanted Paige to, like, beat one of these nerds to death of a baguette. Because Paige is like, seriously? And Emily's like, downloaded a French app when I was in Haiti. As you do. This reminded me, though, of Allison's postcards and Dead to Me and how terrible Emily's French was back then. And Paige says, wow, look at you. Go ahead. Parlez-vous. Yeah. And Jackie offers that croissant and Paige says, no, thank you. Emily gets her app out and does her best to ask uh, if she's heard from Mona in French using the app. And Jackie answers in French and Emily kind of furrows her brow. She's like, I think this means Mona is going to bring a casserole. Jackie nods and Paige says, "Okay, cut the crap, Jackie. This is important. Have you heard from her or not? Jackie kind of sighs like she has to give in speaking. And she says, she called me this morning and she was on her way home from her court appointed timeout. Mm-hmm. And we, I feel like we need to cut to that one guy 
the uh, the side eye guy. Yeah. You know the yeah. guy I'm talking about, right? Yeah. That guy. Yeah. Yeah. They're just like bitch, please. Yeah. 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 Uh, a court appointed timeout. Uh, she told me she was coming tonight, and Emily's like, and she didn't. She just didn't show up. And Jackie says no, and I'm really surprised because this is supposed to be her welcome back party. I like that they threw Mona a party. Like Mona has been, friends secretly. How long has she been in Rally? Like three days. I guess. Yeah. Well, I feel like Mona's like, well, I'm supposed to go to this little soiree tonight, but then it turns out I'm Mona fucking Vanderwall. I'm not mm-hmm. hanging out with these French club nerds. Meanwhile, she's like, I have like a corporate takeover to do in Japan tonight. Yeah, yeah. Konnichiwa, bitches. Uh, meanwhile, it's nighttime in Toby's loft. Oh, God. Toby opens up his special memories box. He pulls out a handmade Happy Mother's Day card that he presumably made. It is, I can't tell if it's hideous or brilliant. It's either a crayon illustrated sketch depicting the multifaceted nature of a boy's love for his mom, or it's a drawing of a woman who's been horribly mutated, probably by toxic waste. Or she might be the Joker. Inside it just says, I love you, Toby. There's a drawing of a heart. Mm-hmm. And then he's got the locket of like his mom and him as a kid. Who has that? Come on. I think Toby really likes. I, I guess that's his mom's locket. I guess it'd be I, weird for it to be Toby's locket. It but. would be <laughs> Toby's. Just like this is my locker locket. Yeah. Uh, I think this is the same actress too. Yeah, yeah, I believe it is. Um, uh, there's the, there's sad music playing and Toby's just crying and yeah. Uh, I really this. wanted, so I really want, I have to say, he's just like sitting there crying. I really wanted Caleb just to walk up behind him and just start spooning Toby. Just get a little back massage, I think. I think yeah. you could use it, you know. Uh, but his phone rings, it's Spencer. Uh, missed call from her. He also has a text from her that says, call me. It's a different layout on the phone from, from yeah. literally yesterday. Uh, he does not call her. He shuts his uh, box there. and Memories and feelings. Rubs it some more. And then we cut to the brew. Toby's, I guess, uh, cleaned himself up enough to face the world. Coming downstairs from his loft, and he spots Shauna at a table, like, filling out some packing slips. She's sitting in the liar's nook. Yeah, and so he stops to watch. Shauna gets up with these papers, but one of them kind of falls on the ground. She somehow doesn't realize that she's dropped this on the ground. Uh, and so Toby comes around, and he watches her go out, and then he picks up this slip. It's a like a change of address. I believe is what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's for Ren. It's he's moving from Rosewood to a flat in London, care of Melissa Hastings. Oh shit! Hmm. I looked up the address here. The street does not appear to exist, uh, but that postal code appears to be in a pretty posh part of London. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So Toby pulls out his phone and says, "Hey, Spence, it's me. We have to talk." He doesn't even dial. First of all, he, and then he hangs up. Like, was that a voicemail or did she actually answer the phone? It wasn't even like a hey. It's me. We need to talk. It was just like, it was like an order. But she had to have answered the phone because the voicemail doesn't happen that fast. <laughs> She's like, hello? Hello? Fuck. I, I'm wondering, though, much like Jenna, if there's like a separate narrative here from like the, the one that the liars have pushed on us, where Shauna is just as like awkward, nerdy girl who just likes being a bitch as a defense mechanism. There could be. There definitely could be. I, I take the awkward. Maybe she's girl. just doing a favor for Ren. I take the awkward nerdy girl fact from the fact that she doesn't seem to realize that she dropped like some papers there. She mm-hmm. just off. Um, so it was Spencer's house. Toby's like uh, watching Rosewood's headline news there on Spencer's TV. Yeah. They've now identified Cece Drake as the suspect. They have replaced the photo with a almost uh, identical photo matching the sketch. It's an actually a very glamorous photo of her. It's almost like a casting headshot. Well, it's almost like if somehow 
Travis was like looking at a photo of Cece while the, <laughs> the, the sketch guy is asking him questions. Maybe Hannah just gave it to him. She's yeah. like, just say it was her. There you go. It'll I'm solve right. all my problems. Uh, so Spencer's looking at the forwarding address paperwork and she says, I wanted to believe that my sister had pulled herself out of this mess when she left town. What is Shauna's connection to Ren? And Toby says, I don't know, but it looks like your ex-boyfriend is moving in with his ex-fiance. And Spencer's like, why would she keep that a secret? And he's like, uh, because he's your ex-boyfriend. Spencer gives him a look. Yeah, this is a look. This is, a, well, you know what? Fucking watch it. So she shuts off the news, which is saying that Cece's, uh, wanted love, for questioning. I love that shot though, where she's just like gorgeously and mysteriously like illuminated by that single lamp. Mm -hmm. It's such a great, just like, I wanted to freeze frame that hanging on my wall. Yeah. And so he's kind of drifting around behind her and, she has this look on her face that's just like, like, am I about to do this? Yeah, we're do we're doing this. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we're going to find our dialogue here. Uh, she says, I want to talk to you about what happened last night. But if I do, are you just going to take off again? And Toby's like, I had some thinking to do. And oh, fucking Toby. And she turns around and she says, that's not good enough, okay? You called, but you could have sent me a text. You know, give me space. And Toby's like, I know. And so Spencer says three words and it would have been fine. He says, I know. Okay. I'm sorry. And it's like, yeah, that's not fucking good enough, Toby. At least he didn't fake his death this time. And I, I thought it was great that like, we didn't touch on this too much, but like Spencer really took him back pretty easily. Well, so I love that they like, cause we've talked about, I know in the premiere that Toby's gotten off way too easy, mm -hmm. like way too easy of a pass. He's like past 11 episodes. And, I love that, like they're bringing this back. Well, and this is you know, this a, a lot of the uh, kind of voice of the fans here. The the fans were complaining about this all season, right? And how like it's like, what's wrong with Spencer? Like she shouldn't be putting up with this bullshit. Besides, but now this is don't you know, Toby? This is hashtag World War A. You can't mm -hmm. be running off. Says you, you can't just disappear like that. Not anymore. Not after what happened last time. When I worry about a getting a hold of you or hurting you or worse, you know, I have a a very real picture of what that looks like in my mind. And Toby's like, I was in town, Spencer. Okay, I was right here. And she's like, well, not for me, you were, you motherfucker. And Toby's like almost getting attitude now, which well, is like, Toby, like, know your fucking role. Can we talk about how Keegan Allen gets to do some, like, pointing? Like, can, he's can really... we talk about how huge his hair is in this scene? His hair is like, like almost a pompadour. Well, it's like in a different zip code. It's so big. But, like, he's doing some serious hand acting here. When I used to feel like the walls were closing in, I'd take off. But this time, I stayed for you. So give me a fucking medal. Uh, I was just like, I was so hoping, like, I'm just like, dump his ass, Spencer. Dump it. This is the dumping scene, right? Uh... Nobody says then, you were right. Last night, trying to break in Dr. Palmer's car. That's as close as I want to get to A. So he sits down. And, you know, I get what Toby's saying there, but wouldn't you want to get a little closer to A, like, you know, to unmask A once mm -hmm. and for all, to put an well, end to A, as it were? Some excellent acting from uh, Troy and Belsario's, like, neck and vocal cords right now, yeah. as they're just, like, flexing as she stares at him, like, well, wordlessly. This, this is Toby's goddamn move. Every time Spencer is like, look, you can't do this shit to me, okay? It's not, it's not cool. He barks off something, and then he sits down and, like, shuts down on her. He gets and all mopey. Yeah. He gets all mopey, and then she, like, 
caves. It's like mm-hmm. Spencer is like this strong, brilliant, amazing, supernatural character practically. And like for some reason, this saddled with this boat anchor, gargoyle faced man of giant hair and well, there, crazy hand acting is her like weakness. There is a belief among the kind of older fans of the show that the like there's like this like silent majority of crazy teenage fans of PLL that insist that all the like the the ships remain ships. You know, like that Spobies and the Ezrias and the Halibs like have to remain mm-hmm. inviolate and that they, they can never get away with breaking them up for long. I don't know if that's real or not, but sometimes you see scenes like this and you're just like, why? Like, why? Why couldn't you just break up? I mean, every once in a while I get I get Spobie and every once in a while I really don't fucking get Spobie. Mm-hmm. Um, or but I guess I could say the same about that, about all the relationships, although yeah, in the reverse for Ezria. So Spencer um, says, I don't want you to stop looking. You deserve to know what happened to your mom. And Toby says, I don't want A's version of the truth. It's not worth it. My Toby voice exactly. sucks today. I got to work on that. Spencer, I am not programmed to dance. Um, you know, Spencer, all she wants, Toby, is for this storyline to not be boring anymore. <laughs> don't run off. Don't be boring. Oh, you know what they say about hope, Spencer. Yeah, it breeds eternal misery. Uh, so then they kind of... They hold hands. Toby she, want... she wipes away a solitary tear that has rolled down her cheek. Also, if Threads of the Tempest are working their way through this episode, let's just go ahead and pronounce that Toby is the jazz handy Caliban right now. Okay. Oh, yeah. Toby is a Caliban if there ever was one. Uh, so we get to Arya's house. Speaking of Threads of Magic and yeah. Menace. Arya is, of course, watching a, an old black and white movie that we really tried to figure out what this movie was and we couldn't. Because um, um, Arya doesn't have one of those special HD expedition t- exposition TVs, she no. just has the old like the like Turner Classics Movie Channel. <laughs> and I really feel like if Television Without Pity was still available, I could find it, but sadly, not to be. Yeah, Arya is engrossed in this movie. She is so engrossed in this movie that she's apologizing to that blockhead Jake for hogging all the kettle corn, but Jake has passed out. Yeah, she's like, here, here, hold this. Take seriously, take this away from me before I eat it all. And he's just like totally passed out. Because he, he's too good for an old time black and white movie. He thinks there's something wrong with the TV. She looks at him like, how dare you? Yeah, she Break has this two. this frown. It's just like, are you fucking kidding me? Well, uh, I, and then so she. There's no strike three. She grabs the, the remote and pauses it. And then as she pauses it, then he wakes up and he kind of like you know yawns and looks at her and she puts on this fake smile for him but like that's just for show he's like oh long day and a good meal gets me every time and he yawns and Ari's like oh you want me to make you some coffee and he's like nah honestly i could use rest can we watch the rest of this later and Ari kind of forces another smile and he's like yeah sure caffeine at this hour means nothing to mm-hmm. but yeah he is jake is you know there's something wrong with jake because he's the only person in the show who uses the word honestly and he's actually being honest. Honestly. But Arya, yeah, is like, get the fuck out. Nobody yeah. falls asleep during the Arya Montgomery curated haunted cinema hour, you cretinous Neanderthal. She walks into the door. He'll call her. They kiss goodnight. He's gone. And then Arya does this thing where she's kind of like, well, I'm wide awake and bored. I'm just going to throw my arms out to the side like, you know, like Arya does and wonder what the fuck to do with myself. Well, I love the, the like, it's like a longer shot here showing how tiny Arya is in her living room. I could have easily watched like a 10-minute scene of just Arya meandering around when she's bored. Look how high that TV is mounted. Yeah. Doesn't it like, hurt their necks to watch that thing? It's, well, so it's, she, that TV is mounted taller than Arya. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know how Arya... So if they, they lost the remote. Arya could never 
do anything with that TV. She this, couldn't change the channel. This is a pet peeve of mine when people have, don't properly position their TVs and they have them up too high or like in a weird place. It drives me nuts. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, so, meanwhile, Hannah and Caleb are on a stakeout. Staking out. Outside the Vanderwall house, we see from the mailbox. Uh, Caleb's car. Caleb's in the driver's seat. Hannah's in there. Caleb's like, I swear I saw someone in the upstairs window. Hannah says, so you think Mona's just sitting in her house in the dark? And Caleb says, as twisted as she is, I wouldn't put it past her. Jesus, Caleb, take it down a notch. And Mona's like, well, yeah, that's probably true. (laughs) And Hannah says, look, she stuck her neck out for my mom. I know after everything she's done, it may seem like another one of her tricks, but Mona would have never confessed to killing Wilden if I didn't put the idea in her head in the first place. And Caleb says, Hannah, if Mona really is in trouble, it's not your fault. Also... The greatest trick the devil ever pulled Hannah was convincing the world he didn't exist. Mm-hmm. But we're going to get some Hannah face because she's, she's dubious. She, she, she's always, even though Mona is her enemy, she's also her BFF. And so she must feel protective of her. Right. Especially when A might be coming after her. So cut the Paige's bedroom. Uh, Emily is just like staring out the window, like doing Emily vigil. Looking uh, antsy. Yeah. Yeah. Paige is sitting on the bed. Uh, you know, Paige tells Emily that she's safe here. So basically, you know, relax. Emily says that she's, it's not herself that she's worried about. It's Mona she's worried about. Then we hear Paige's dad call out, door, door. Uh, yeah. Paige jumps up to go over and like close the, uh, open up the closed bedroom door. We see the shadow of Paige's dad pass by because just a reminder, the guy who played Paige's dad in one episode was, uh, also on Star Trek Enterprise. Also, according to the wiki, he was a church deacon. Um, like in real life? No, 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 no. Ted McCullers or Tra- whatever his name is. Oh, on the show? Yeah. Is oh. Ted? Not Ted. Um, ah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Papa McCullers. Papa McCullers. Uh, so, uh, let's talk about Paige's room a little. Okay. Uh, so light blue paint, a lot of white framed pieces of artwork on the walls. Mm-hmm. She has her own TV. Uh, I, I don't think any of the liars have their own TV. I don't Hannah so. might. Uh, there is a skateboard on the wall against leaning up against the wall in the corner. Right. I'd like to know what that is. Go, what's going on there, Paige? Are you a skater? Uh, she has like a wood grain cover on her laptop, which just I don't like that. Uh, I but it's mostly like light blues. That's kind of the vibe. What light blues and whites here? I know that Lindsay Shaw is like a former like child actor. I really want to start a rumor that she was in that uh, that Seth Green rollerblading movie. Oh, yeah. Is it Airborne? I think it was Airborne with that guy who was on Swan's Crossing with uh, oh, um, Sarah Michelle Geller. Deep pool there. I want to start that rumor because I really want them to have... Jonathan like, Brandis? No, not Jonathan Brandis. He's like the TV Jonathan Brandis. But I want, Isn't I that want Jonathan that. Brandis? <laughs> no. Uh, but I want that because I want them to be able to take like photos of old like Lindsay Shaw and like use them as like pages, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Why do I feel that that's like at least the second time we've talked about Jonathan Brandis on the show? Really? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Not who this would, episode, but overall. Who would Jonathan Brandis play in like the '90s PLL game? Uh, Caleb. Oh, that's rough. Anyway, that's uh, a story. Um, what were we talking about? Yeah, if you're a guy, he, you know, we're. Paige, Emily's like, it's okay, your parents have the same role as a guy, and Paige says, if you're a guy, you wouldn't be here, which is, I guess, like, Emily's like, sure, technically. <laughs> that doesn't, yeah, that doesn't seem... I don't know what Paige was aiming for there. Yeah, I don't know, it's, does it, like, everything of Paige. I feel like it, she had an idea and it just came out wrong. Yeah. Uh, and Paige is like, 
you know, hey, why don't we watch a movie? Take your mind off things. And Emily's like, I don't know if I can sit still for that long. And she says, I have to be honest. I get worrying about Cece, but not Mona. She tried to kill you. Glass houses, Paige. Glass houses. And Emily says, I know, but we created the beast. And Paige says, no, Allie did that. Which is an interesting viewpoint, I think, from Paige. I mean, A. Uh, and Emily says, yeah, and we let her. I would love to see fan art of Sasha Pieterra, Dr. Frankenstein, and Janelle Parrish as this like gorgeous dancing monster. But Emily's just like, like eh. bolts in her neck. Yeah. Um, so at the brew, Aria walks in. People are clearing out. Seemingly the poetry reading is <laughs> over. Once some dudes move out of the way, there's Ezra. Because, of they, course, Ezra would have been at the poetry reading. They see each other, and there is heat. Now, I just got to call it Norman Buckley here. Like, you can tell Norbuck is a good LOL out of the Ezrians online, because I love how he, like, takes them to mm-hmm. town sometimes. But I wonder how he plays this, like, in his mind. Like, and he's, like, crafting these scenes, you know, from, like, the written essence, like, the realized existence. Like, well, does it I mean, ever, like, does, occur it, to him, like, what the fuck is my audience seeing here? I'm sure it does. He's not the writer, so... Still, you know, though, he's, he's I, working I with material. He can really change things based on that. But does he ever think like, oh, God, like eight months from now, what am I going to hear on like, Twitter from the nutjobs? You should read some of his blogs. He talks about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. He, he tweets about it constantly. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, they spot each other. It's a brief bit of awkwardness. And she's just like, oh, uh, how's the reading? And he says, intense. Oh. Arya, of course, smiles at this because they're both that lame. But uh, Arya's just like. Damn, I wish I'd been there for that poetic intensity. Mm-hmm. Ezra says, one of his poems reminded me of a story you wrote about the cat, Found But Lost. Ugh. What a title of a story about a cat. She looks bemused and intrigued. She's like, I can't believe you remember that. And Ezra says, I always thought it was about Allie. Ugh. And Arya says, well, it was. I just didn't know that when I was writing it. Oh my god, they're so awful. The... Yeah, like, this dandy is going to, like, quote the Arya's work back to her. But, like, right before she said that, like, she takes a breath. And she has this great look on her face as she prepares to answer that question. But I, I think Arya loves it when her adoring fans basically ask her where she gets her, uh-huh. her inspiration from. So oh, yeah. Ezra, uh, this scumbag, says, you know, that's probably why it was so honest. He's calling you a liar, Arya. Yeah. As we learned in the pilot, Arya is, like, made for Tumblr or, like, live journal writing. is mostly personal. Mm. So Arya Cajal and the baristas uh, ask for a cappuccino. Ezra asks them for a refill. And then uh, Arya says, oh, boy, that's always what's been tough for me, writing a good story before I can think my way out of it. I like the layers of their performances here as they, like, inch closer to each other. And I don't just mean, like, physically. Well, meanwhile, on the uh, the soundtrack, like, Lithium Fuck Rock starts playing. This is uh, Miss Mister yet again. Yeah. This isn't control, sung over and over and over and over again. This isn't control. This isn't control. Uh, which I do wonder who makes the choices on the music. I would love to interview them. There's so many people I would love to because interview. Because it, this, is, I mean, this is the counter narrative here. It's the, oh, it's the romantic Ezra scene. They, maybe they're uh, starting to rekindle. And then the soundtrack saying this isn't control over and over and over again. It works. Let's just say it works on a lot of levels. A lot. Um, yeah, so. Ezra's oh, so like, m- meanwhile, uh, that's all what's been tough, you know, writing a good story for I can think my way out of it because you're a. Yeah. And Ezra says, you know, I get it. It's like you want to know the ending, but you still want to be surprised. I mean, they're basically meta. describing yeah, the act of storytelling or magic tricks, which are essentially the same thing. The camera starts to pull back as these two drink from the cup of each other's hideous souls. My notes say Ezra's A2. They're the paper bag suicide packs fucking A-team. Yeah. What I like about Arya is that you can tell that if she wasn't a character on this show, 
she'd be the kind of earnest super fan of the show that is mm-hmm. so easily mocked by oh, yeah. everyone. Um, and they, Arya, the camera's pulling back. Arya's saying, yeah, I remember when I was little. I'd always read the last page before. Kind of dot, uh, dot, dot that. BTW, mild spoilers. She's not the only one of the liars who does that. And I don't oh, think yeah. the revelation of who the other will shock you. Not if you've ever listened to this podcast. Yeah. Uh, if nice you're familiar back. with the theory, then you can guess who the other one is. But yeah, nice pullback as we go into our montage. Uh, Miss Mister's been getting a lot of play in this show. I don't, I don't, have a, I don't have a problem. I feel like with that. I might have to go download their album. There's some good cuts. There's another song of theirs called, I believe, Dark Duop. I'm just throwing this out there for, as a freebie. Like, put this on the show. It is such an Aria song. Um, so Caleb's car, we're still stakeout continuous. Well, the this is a, the, this isn't control. Miss Mister song is a, gone into a montage of the camera a lot of shots of the camera just kind of like tracking around in circles around all the liars and their SOs here so yeah we go to Caleb and Hannah next yeah Caleb's like sitting in the uh, driver's seat Hannah sleeps on his shoulder forgot to mention that Caleb is wearing this white jacket similar to his red Tyler Dern jacket and it's almost ghostly in this light as if he's already absent from the show he has a lot of leather jackets I don't know where he gets them Damn, I, 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 you know, I got T-Watt to open, but now I can't get to the page I want. Fucking A. I feel like uh, Toby is just like, Caleb, you ever thought about wearing leather? I think it'd look good on you. And then next day, Caleb has like five leather jackets. Yeah, so Hannah's sleeping on his shoulder. He kisses her hair. Uh, we go to Emily and Paige. They're walking, watching an old black and white movie. Is it a movie? I only saw it very briefly. Is that I Love Lucy? I don't think so. Probably I feel not. like that would cost money. But uh, I, I could totally see Paige being an I Love Lucy. Yeah. It, it appears to be some sort of comedy, maybe. Um, so, because uh, Paige is kind of laughing at this, and then she looks down, and Emily's asleep. Um, well, I like how their part of the montage, like the the way their bodies are, melds into the Toby and Spencer part, which is next, and Spencer's living room, like mm-hmm. the yeah, shape yeah, of their bodies, yeah, yeah. So Paige, you know, kind of rubs her head and kisses her on the hair as well. A lot of kissing on hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we go to Spencer and Toby. Spencer's uh, in his big bicepy arms there. Uh, they're under a blanket, I presume watching a TV, although we don't see what they're watching. Maybe they're just sitting. It looks like Toby's just like staring forward like he's Batman. Keeping can an we, eye on can we talk city. about what's on the coffee table? Please. Uh, this is a book called Killer Ambition by Marsha Clark. Marsha Clark, the uh, OJ prosecutor? Marsha Clark, the OJ prosecutor, retired to a life of writing uh, thrillers. She has a series of books, the Rachel Knight series. Let me read you the logline here. Please. Please, God, do. When the daughter of a billionaire Hollywood director is found murdered after what appears to be a kidnapping gone wrong, Los Angeles Special Trials prosecutor Rachel Knight and Detective Bailey Keller find themselves at the epicenter of a combustible and high-profile court case. Then a prime suspect is revealed to be one of Hollywood's most popular and powerful talent managers and best friends of the victim's father. With the director vouching for the manager's innocence, the Hollywood media machine commences an all-out war designed to discredit both Rachel and her case. I love that uh, Marsha Clark's writing fiction about a uh, a special prosecutor who's getting attacked in the media. Uh, if anyone wants to adapt that, we will write that script for free on the condition that we can change the uh, title to Threat Level Midnight. <laughs> there's, uh, a, there's a lot of them. She does a whole series of Rachel Knight books. They sound riveting. Uh, it's a fascinating montage, though, where we get three out of the four liars and how they turn to their significant other as like a safe harbor, calm before the storm. Um, and then there's well, fucking Ezria. Before we get there, who, whose book is that? Is that Spencer's or Veronica's? Uh, what if 
it's Toby's that he brings over for when he has to poop. Could be. Spencer, I feel like I'm I feel like it's the the trash fiction that Veronica Lee reads, but maybe Spencer's reading it. Maybe well, she I feel like it. no, I feel like so because I know Veronica so well. I feel mm-hmm. like she reads these like shitty legal thrillers, and she's like, "This is not what the law is like." And then she just keeps reading them. Yeah, yeah, yeah like John Grisham and Marsha Clark books. Mm-hmm. So um, we, yeah, we come back looking through the window at. Ezra and Arya sitting on a couch in the brew, just kind of laughing and talking to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually really love Lucy Hale's acting in this. Like, it's very natural. Yeah. Because uh, she's just, like, Ezra's saying something, and she just smiles and leans in and kisses him. But then suddenly she freezes her hand, you know, like, pulls away, and she kind of stops and leans back and looks at him. But then she just, like, it's like she just decides, like, hey, what's the big deal? We've done that before. And then so she just smiles and goes back to talking to him. Like, it... Not like it didn't happen, but like it just, you know, eh, there's no need to make a big deal out of that. I just kiss you because I felt like it. And so they just keep kind of smiling and talking to each other. I I like your read on that because, yeah, I I feel like on the written page, this would probably be hard for an actor to understand. But I would kill to know what their dialogue was for this scene. By the way, Arya did earlier in that scene didn't have her like doing dirt black jacket on with the bling on the shoulders and collar. Uh oh. Mm hmm. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I really like the, the naturalistic way this is played. Like, it wasn't like, it wasn't like, oh shit, they kissed. It was more like, oh, hey, yeah, that again. That was fun. I'll just keep talking to you. Yeah, it's not like a, necessarily a guarantee of anything, but mm-hmm. maybe it is. Um, so then we cut to outside. We see that somebody has been watching this exchange. That person is wearing a black hood and has a cascade no, abundance of blonde that is hair. A, that is a red hood. Is it a red hood? Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. That it's it's dark, but yeah, that is red coat. That's a cascading abundance of blonde hair raining out of that hood. It's red hood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I think you want to think it's Cece, but you don't know that for a fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cece probably wouldn't be coming back to town now. Uh, so after the commercial, it's the next day. This is it's, the the next episode. Yeah, it's like the next episode. It's like we got a whole episode packed into half an episode, and here's part two. Well, and for it to be just like two days for this episode is fascinating too or like that was you know friday or whatever but well, it mm-hmm. was friday literally this is saturday and saturday's weird uh close up on the front page of the rosewood observer the sketch and the actual picture of cc are side by side with the headline suspect identified <laughs> and cc is smirking in both of them yeah uh so where are we at here all the liars are in the hastings living room uh spencer is watching out the window Hannah's playing with the magic eight ball as though it might say something else to her. Mm-hmm. Emily can't stop thinking about Mona, and Spencer says, We know A likes to play with us, but this time, I don't know what the game is. Arya says, It's I'm gonna I'm I'm going down and I'm dragging you with me. Arya tosses the newspaper down. The doorbell rings, of course. It's Third time. Uh, it's key, pun intended, to note that Spencer's wearing a little like sailor's frock adorned with multicolored keys. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to talk about Emily's outfit in a second, but first the Spencer's got to go get the door. Wonder who it could be. Uh, where are we at here? Emily says, uh, "We know who th- th- they know who they're looking for now, uh, so they're gonna find Cece." Mm-hmm. And Hannah says, "A can't even give them one per day." Uh, she's oh, I'm sorry. A can't even give them one one day to themselves. She's supposed right. to be at home with her mom celebrating. All she can think of is poor Mona. And then she looks over at the nerdy Mona coffin that they apparently brought over from Hannah's house. Yeah. Like where do they keep all this weird A shit that they get? 
Well, seemingly the uh, Magic Eight Ball like thing, which is like left on like Spencer's like counter while she was at school. <laughs> like, um, it's like, what's this? <laughs> never mind. Yeah, Arya's like, I never ever thought we would be saying hormonal. So Spencer comes in with another package, another one. She sets it on the table between the two couches. Again, all four liars start ripping the paper off together. Inside is a very ornate wooden box with like a fancy glass handle on top. Oh, and, and kind of fancy hardware on the sides, like little handles on all the sides. And the, the sides pull down. The girls kind of all lean down. They can look through and see each other on the other side. Hannah says there's nothing in it. It's just an empty box. But this means something to Spencer. Her wheels are turning and she says, no, maybe not. She starts like feeling around the box and Hannah, oh, poor Hannah, says, for once I'm right and you're wrong, Spencer. And then Spencer pulls the top of the box. Well, she does. She like twists the handle on top a little. Like she does right. a little twist of it. And then she pulls it off like in a flourish. And all the sides of the box fall to the side, and then there's a hacksaw propped up inside. Like, they should have been able to see this when they were looking through the sides of the box, but suddenly it's there now. There's a hacksaw that's propped up, and on it is an A note that says, Watch me make a girl disappear. Kisses, A. They all recoil in shock. Emily's like, how did you just do that? And it's because we find out Spencer took first prize with her magic act at performance performing arts camp. Of course she did. Hannah, echoing us all, says, of course you did. Um, <laughs> Arya, as we're current in this episode, reads the A message for us. Spencer and gets it. She says, it's magic. A's not playing a game. She's putting on a magic show. And Hannah says, why would Cece do that? And Spencer says, people want to go to a magic show to be deceived. They want to believe in something they know can't be true. Uh, interesting reading by Spencer, that line. She kind of trails off as she says it. She's like, they want to believe in something that can't be true. Like, it's always she's, like, starting to form an idea about something that's impossible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Arya says, if Ace putting on a magic show, then we're the audience. Spencer says, no, we're not the audience. I think we're part of her act. So, Petroleum Belisario is so good at, like, showing us a character, like, doing the mental math of figuring us all mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. I mean, she stands there, she looks at the casket, and she says she's going to make Mona disappear forever. The other liars are like, oh, wow, oh, shit. You know, but, like... Honestly, right now is Spencer and like her three Watsons, <laughs> you know. Um, so outside Mona's house, we see the newspapers hasn't been picked up from outside Mona's house. Toby and Caleb are together again. Hardy Bros reunited, having some coffee. Uh, Toby asks if it was quiet, you know, last night. Caleb says, "Yeah, a little too quiet." Well, the arrangement here is weird because Caleb is standing up outside of his car, leaning against the door, as Toby sits in the driver's seat, like legs out on the pavement. Well. Of Caleb's car, though, right? Of Cal- yeah, this is Caleb's car. So uh, how, how did Toby get there? And well, we'll get he- to that in a minute, because uh, they're, they're looking back. Oh, by the way, when I was typing Hardy Bros here, it yeah. autocorrected to Hardly Bros, which I just thought was so funny. I had to save it. Nice, nice. Well, I like how their stakeout spot is almost exactly right in front of Mona's house. Like, <laughs> way to be seen by anybody, guys. Actual bad guys. Or actual bad girl. Uh, yeah, Caleb's like, it's quiet last night, a little too quiet. Hannah's convinced this is A, but it smells like Mona to me. On a totally immature note, Caleb is standing in such a way that if he totally farted in Toby's face right now as he said that, like, <laughs> anyway, actual just plain disappearing, I feel like that's a patented Toby move. Uh, Caleb says that if Mona was missing, wouldn't her parents call the police? Um, and Toby- they point out the uh, the newspapers, doesn't look like anyone's been here for a while. Don't worry, though. The Hardy Bros are going to get to the bottom of this stumper. Mm-hmm. Caleb says, I swear, if I found out that this is her jerking us around, I'm going to kill her myself. And Toby's like, hey, man, did you get any sleep? So caring. <laughs> T- Caleb's like, dozed off for a few minutes after Hannah left. And Toby says, well, go home. I'll call you if she shows up. 
So Caleb thanks him and leaves. He like, he walks makes- away, and it's like that's your car, Caleb. Like, couldn't didn't Toby drive his truck over? Yeah. Like, how the fuck did Toby get there? Where is Caleb going? He's like, I guess I'll just walk home. You can stay here. He's like, why did you walk here, you asshole? Now I have to walk home, so you have the car in case they go somewhere. Well, like, okay, I'll, I'll drop you off somewhere, Toby, and then you can get your truck. What is happening here? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Poor Caleb has to fucking walk home because this asshole didn't bring his truck. It was Toby just like, no, 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 my truck's too noticeable. I can't, I can't bring it. I can't even park it around the corner. Caleb's like, your ass is walking all the way home to wherever it is you live. Caleb's like, don't worry about it. Don't even worry about that. We're going to park literally right in front of her house. <laughs> we might as well be parking in the driveway if we could. Uh, so we got to Spencer's kitchen. We see that Hannah is still trying to figure out how that magic box worked. Meanwhile, Spencer's over at the island with Arya and Emily. They're on the computer. Arya says, I get the magic eight ball connection, but I don't understand the saw. And Spencer says, it's debatable, but most people give credit to Torini as being the first illusions to saw a woman in two. But when I saw Chris Angel do it, the top half of the woman crawled away. It's totally twisted, but it just turned out he just used a woman of sacroagenesis, which is a congenital Hannah cuts her off. Which, <laughs> and was like, way, shut the fuck up. Sacroagenesis or caudal regression syndrome is some seriously weird Googling. Also, if you're wondering, sorry, uh, some sources would say that Torini maybe sawed a woman in half for Pope Pius VII in 1809. Nice. Yeah. Like as a trick or like as a like an order, like an execution. <laughs> Could have gone either way, bro. Who did Spencer see Chris Angel with? Like herself? <laughs> Melissa? I mean. Well, look, that's that's like the last thing I would have expected from Spencer. Not <laughs> not because I don't doubt that Spencer would be into magic. I love that she's in the magic, but Chris Angel, that creep. The way he spells his name. Although I guess I guess Chris Angel is well, I don't know, who's creepier? Chris Angel or David Blaine? Oh, uh, that's a good question. Or uh, what's that other fucker's name? Copperfield. He was a scumbag, right? Oh, I mean, he's a magician. Wasn't he dating like Claudia Schiffer? Implied. Yeah, they all date supermodels somehow. I don't. I don't really understand that. Yeah. Uh, Emily, we got to talk about Emily's outfit now. She's got a black sleeveless tank top on with like a big white smiley face pr- printed on the front, but yeah. the tank top has huge, huge holes like in, for the sleeves, uh, like way down to her, like her lower waist. Right. Uh, and so we can see that underneath that, she just has like a white lace bra on and nothing else. And it's like very noticeable from the sides. Well, this is two like, episodes in a row. What the hell are you wearing, Emily? This is two episodes in a row. Yeah. It's like, let's show off Emily's bra. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, it's either that or tracksuits, right? Yeah. Um. So, yeah, Hannah just wants Spencer to stop talking, which is a shame because I, I love it when Spencer's like showing off. Mm-hmm. Hannah tries the box again. She pulls a little away. The sides fall apart, revealing nothing spencer has a good laugh she's just like nope <laughs> try again, try again. <laughs> all right says i don't know is there a magic shop in town we don't know about so much to unpack in that sentence alone <laughs> like the magic box yeah uh Ari and emily are googling emily can't find i believe anything. they're website paging the website paging there's an ad on the side of the search page it's a single poster sheet for the great charlemagne who will be appearing in ravenswood park today today <laughs> So everything's this, fucking today in this town. Is this how they? Well, is this how they advertise things in Pennsylvania? Like just day of? Yeah, just today. Um, uh, so so the, Spencer like, perks up at this. That can't yeah. be coincidence. Yeah. Uh, the letters ponder for beat, and then Emily's just like, uh, "Spencer driving, exactly. like mount up, m- mount up, moving to action." Back at the Vanderwall Stakeout, Toby's reading a paper in Caleb's car, and then the gate to Mona's driveway like opens electronically. Mm-hmm. 
it's kind of crazy. It just like starts opening. Uh, and Toby turns and watches and Jenna thinks Mustang like pulls out like in a hurry and like races away. So Toby shifts into gear and follows. It's just so weird to me that this is a character who's actually on a, on a TV show is actually reading a newspaper. Yeah. Um, yeah, we don't see the driver just speeds past. And just like in under the gun, that driver of that car clearly had to see Toby there because everyone had to well, see that Toby driver there. is a pretty crazy driver. I mean, they're really making this Mustang move. Uh, so then we cut to stock footage of what we can only assume is a, the highways through rural Pennsylvania, or it's early footage from season two of True Detective. Um, uh, yeah, the Instagram filter is on now because we're about to take a time warp into a different TV show called Ravenswood. Uh, Toby's in a hot pursuit. Uh, he's on the phone. He's letting Spencer know that they're, they're still heading east, and Spencer tells him just to be okay. Uh, meanwhile, in Ravenswood... The liars are parked, uh, what we can only assume is Main Street Ravenswood. They're big, across from the Antiques Books and Oddities Cafe again. A big sign for the Ravenswood Historical Society celebration. Uh, so one can assume that the Ravenswood Historical Society consists of just those three witches from Macbeth, I assume. Mm-hmm. But uh, also, we see the actual name for the Antiques Books and Oddities Cafe, which is Bindful Things. I think yes. it's a clear reference to Stephen King's Castle Rock. Um so it's it's Ravenswood, so the place is desaturated. So uh, the liars get out. Spencer's on the phone with Toby. She says, you know, stay on her tail. She lets tells them to be careful. She loves them. She hangs up, lets them all know that uh, Toby says that Shauna is driving Janet's car. And Hannah says, is Mona with her? And Spencer says, no, nobody's with her. Where is she going, Emily asks. Spencer says, he thought they were coming here. They just passed the exit. And then Arya has taken the lead and points out, hey, there's a giant-ass sign for the great Charlemagne, that magician we're here to see. Yeah. So, so she points at it, and Spencer leads on to the magic show. Yeah, we're at the Ravenswood Park, where we see the great Charlemagne performing. He's on stage, and his shtick is that he's basically a mime. So mm-hmm. as far as painted he's, demons go, mimes are even more sinister than just normal clowns. It's a right? mime in, like, a top hat, and, like, I don't even, like, like, uh... I don't even know the, the period costume this is. I feel What's like it's Parisian. That, that weird mishmash fucking... It's like Moulin Rouge era Parisian. Yeah. I mean, it's effective. This whole this whole like little sequence where we enter the uh, the magic show here in the park is great. Uh, there's like accordion music playing. It, this, this creepy mime. He has all these kind of weird, very, like showy moves that he does as he moves around uh it all feels perfect like it it feels like completely surreal and weird just as it should the audience is half normal there's like families and kids and then there's Mm -hmm. like that bizarre tall guy with the pinched face who freaks hannah out there's a dude who's like seven feet tall for no reason like it's a freak show and he's just like staring at hannah yeah and she's staring right back Mm -hmm. at him the Great Charmaine has a cabinet ready, the kind that every TV and film magician has, the one where you step in. Well, the it's, door like, it's like a giant book yeah, that's yeah. upright, and he's going to open the cover of the book. Yeah, uh, so as Spencer says, you know, if A wanted us to watch a girl disappear, then we're right on time. Yeah. Uh, we see Mrs. Grunwald is also in the audience and notices the PLL's arrival. Yeah, because the mime starts looking around through the crowd, uh, kind of pointing like he's, you know, he's trying to pick out a volunteer. Uh, and Hannah's looking at that freaky tall guy and she's like, I think we're being watched. And Spencer, they all turn and Spencer's like, let's all stick together. And then we see the Greenwald spots them. Everything um, about this scene is basically like one Alice in Wonderland reference away from being that Tom Petty, don't come around here no more video. Indeed. Really? And so the the magician, the mime, he's made his choice and he points right at Arya and weighs mm-hmm. her to the stage. Mm-hmm. And Arya's like, me? Uh, you know, looking behind her like, no way. 
And the magician, he jumps off the stage. I, I like the way he jumps, like, with both feet, and, like, lands with both feet at once mm-hmm. and kind of minces on over to her. And uh, just really cool kind of low-angle tracking as we move in on Arya. I, I, the way this is done is excellent. What we're seeing here is, like, a magic trick in the show itself mm-hmm. uh, and the way it's shot in addition to the, the actual diegetic magic trick. Yeah. Uh, he... He gets down on one knee and he pleads to her in typical mime magician sadistic mm-hmm. silent fashion. Arya's like, really, I don't do boxes. Well, oh, and I like the way that she's looking right into the camera, like this low angle that we have. Yeah, Nice reference to this is a dark ride. Uh, mm-hmm. Arya tries to push Spencer to the magician. She's like, here, take her. She loves magic. The magician <laughs> points to Spencer like, her? No way. And, like wags yeah. his finger. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Spencer tells Arya that she doesn't think the great Charlemagne is going away. Emily could not look more disinterested in this one shot of Emily here. Mm-hmm. Spencer lets Arya know that she knows this trick. Arya will be okay. So finally, Arya relents. She gets on stage. She is dressed, we should say, like she fits right into this whole magic act. I mean. Yeah, like white pants, black top with a white blazer over it with like little black things all over it. Like baby doll Beetlejuice. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. This is basically it's hard Black to classify. Boots, of course. It's hard to classify Arya's style that she always sports, but it's basically like teenage anarchist chaos magician. Yeah. Uh, well, this seems to interest the Grunwald. She kind of leans over to watch here as Arya's going to get inside this giant book. It's it's you know interesting because we have this giant book here, and subtly the not subtle at all theme of this episode is you know how to do the indecipherable storytelling that is magic. Now you see me. Now you don't. Yeah. Uh, so Ari gets in, he closes the book and does some jazz hands on it. Voila. And then opens it back up and hey, Arya's gone. And Hannah's like, wait, where'd she go? And Spencer says, just wait a second. Why well, look how Hannah has no concept at all what a magic trick looks like? Yeah. And so the, the magician even opens up like the back of this book opens too. So mm-hmm. you can see the back of the stage, you know, it's like, oh, there's nothing here. And then he closes all everything back up and he does his little jazz hands again and then opens it up and hey Arya's back yeah and hannah looks over at spencer who's very smug and the magician then gives Arya a rose but then it does a like wilt thing on her <laughs> and so she's like totally not even playing it up she's just like eh. yeah so he gives her a real rose and she kind of fake smiles and walks off the stage we hear the one guy at adr to say that was great yeah and the mind bows as Arya's walking back to hannah and spencer and she says hey where's emily and they look around hey emily's not here and they all get the simultaneous text. The text says, Legger de Main, kisses, bitches, A. And yeah, Spencer confused, mispronounces it. Spencer translates this to uh, Slate of Hand. While we were watching you, A took Emily. Misdirection. And nice, uh, classically, like, slightly overhead shots of girls, like, look around the surroundings, like, their surroundings in the wake of an A text. But as well, like, the suddenly the whole place clears out. Yeah, as we learn in the prestige, every magister consists of three parts: the pledge, the turn, and the prestige. I think it's the plot, isn't it? No, it's the, pledge. the pledge. Okay. Yeah. So after the com- the, the plot is what we're in right now. Mm-hmm. Um, after the commercial break, Emily's in a box. She's waking up. Her phone's ringing. She answered Wonder- it. I guess I really like the way they did that because you're so focused on Arya. You're like, oh, what's going to happen to Arya? Like, there's just this weird thing about Arya this whole episode, and then she's got to go into this box and, and then she disappears and the whole time it's like you were watching that and then emily got taken and you weren't even thinking about her well and isn't that basically like how the show goes in general though like <laughs> aria's drama is so much more important meanwhile like emily's house is having a car crash into <laughs> it yeah so emily wakes up inside a uh, box somewhere somewhere dark her phone still works so she gets a call from aria and 
what is Arya's like, hey, are you okay? And Emily's like, I don't know. I can't see anything. It's dark. Arya says, we're going to find her. You just have to help us out. And Ar- Emily's like panicking here. Arya puts her on speaker and Emily says, I think I'm locked in a coffin. I can hear grinding noises. It's a saw. I hear a saw. And Hannah says, like a chainsaw? And Emily says, no, it's it's big. It's loud. It's cutting wood. Spencer says, like a sawmill. Arya's like, I was locked in a coffin before it was cool, Emily. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Emily's like, it's getting louder, closer. And Spencer says, Grunewald lived on Sawmill Road. She pulls out her phone and quickly looks it up and says, no, oh. She gets the world's fastest, like, mm-hmm. reception or whatever service on her phone to like, get this this hit. Yeah, it's, it's it's very close nearby, the Ravenswood Sawmill. Uh, and so they, they both look up and turn in that direction. And as they turn, they see, hey, there's Redcoat, like, running away, you know, down the side street, just as we looked up there. So they they run after her because uh, they're headed the same direction. Arya yells, "Hold on, Em, we're coming!" Also, Arya has a very particular set of skills skills that makes her a nightmare. Mm-hmm. The people like Redcoat. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to do a whole thing there, but I'm not going to because this episode's already super long. Yeah. Uh, so we go down an alley. Redcoat ducks into like the side door of this building. They they follow her in and run into a big warehouse and it's like it's a literal sawmill the big ass warehouse and a sawmill and they, they look around they don't see red coat at first but they see a coffin they hear they hear emily calling and look over and see there's a coffin like an old style like wooden coffin chained to a conveyor belt headed towards a big circular saw yeah this this like buzzsaw circular saw is huge i mean it's ginormous it's like the size of lucy hale like yeah at least three feet diameter there yeah, I mean, my, my hope is that next season, A literally ties one of these girls to a train track. So there's chains in the <laughs> coffin. Arya barks orders that it's locked. The other two should get something to cut it. Hannah goes and gets what looks like a sledgehammer or something. Uh, no, she gets a crowbar. Hannah, Hannah gets a okay. crowbar to try it's to not, open it up. It's not good enough. Spencer comes running over with like a bolt cutter, starts like working on the change. Arya's yelling for Spencer to hurry as she This whole time I off. wanted her to just like slam the bolt cutter right into the blade. And like jam it. But well, I want her to do what's about to happen. So Emily's crying. She's freaking outside the coffin, as you do. The coffin has gotten right up to the wood and starting to be cut. And then we see Redcoat hits the button and of the controls to mm-hmm. stop the saw, which makes the most sense in the world. Probably, yeah. And so they, they both, you know, fi- Spencer finally gets a chain cut as well, just as happens. Emily breathes a sigh of relief, and they look up. And say, like, hey, there's a red coat, like, walking away from the controls and headed out the door. Uh, but then they they look up towards, there's, like, a kind of second story of walkways and whatnot. And they see, hey, there's another red coat going oh, up the stairs. Oh, shit, there are two red coats. This one, the second one, is definitely wearing an alley mask. Well, and it's beautiful because the show is having a ridiculous amount of fun, like, like teasing some of the elements that it's played mm-hmm. out. But it's also following those elements to like a natural conclusion of sorts. And Arya screens out, there's two of them? Yeah, of course there are. Um, so Arya takes off up the stairs after the one red coat. Spencer follows the other out the sawmill. Hannah stays behind with Emily to get her out as Emily's like screaming her head off still. Yeah, it finally gets her out. Hannah gets her out. Like Emily sees how perilously close she became to becoming two <laughs> Emilys. <laughs> totally freaked out, yeah. So uh, outside, Spencer is following a red coat to a, like a building on one of these main streets. Uh, Redcoat seems to be taking her time a little bit. Uh, Redcoat kind of ducks inside this building. Spencer gets to the door, which Redcoat just left wide open. Mm-hmm. And inside there's some stairs, and Spencer runs up the stairs. It's a seemingly a nice building. Mm-hmm. Then we come back to 
the kind of walkways on the second, I don't know if you need to call it second floor, kind of the second floor, just like all these catwalks, mm-hmm. uh, that the red coats running away in the alley mask there. Arya, fierce Arya in hot pursuit. Arya's gonna fucking murder this red coat. Yeah. Uh, and so red coat turns a corner. Oh no, red coat is trapped. Now it's, uh, it's fighting time. And then there's like a kickboxing scene where Arya yeah. beats the shit out of red coat. Kicks her in the chest, and you know, Arya comes back. Like, looks like she needs Arya either like the stomach or the boob. They like, mm-hmm. like grapple a little bit. They throw some elbows, some jabs. Then Arya straight up kicks this bitch in the face. Yeah, um, like a big old roundhouse kick in the face. Kicks the mask off. Which is, imagine how hard that's gotta be. Lucy Hale is four feet tall. <laughs> and it's Cece Drake under that mask. And Arya says, stunned. Give it up, Cece. Oh. Uh, yeah, so Ari tries to kick her again, like misses her. She just well, Cece like, ducks under out. the kick. It's it's yeah. a nice little thing where Arya does a roundhouse that Cece ducks under and then pushes Arya away. And then Cece like there's like a rope hanging nearby that Cece's got like gonna like climb away on. Well, but then I, th- it, I think that she thought that she was gonna like swing away like Errol Flynn or Luke Skywalker. Yeah. But instead, she gets she start hanging on the rope completely, like nothing to support herself, and then the rope breaks. And Arya miraculously catches Cece in midair. This is a hell of a catch. Mm. Like, she just, like, leans out and grabs her arm, and they, like, lock wrists together well, uh, and manages to stop her from falling. Don't want to go into a whole thing about body types, body types, but let's face it. Cece probably weighs a lot more than Arya. Like, uh-huh. Arya grabbing Cece would have probably pulled Arya right over <laughs> the edge. But So Arya's holding on to Cece's... I think uh, you underestimate Arya's uh, murder strength. True, true, true. Uh, Arya's like holding on to Cece's sleeve, her red coat, if you will. Cece is yelling for Arya to help her. Um, the sleeve tears, then rips off. Cece falls. On Cece's yelling, Arya, help! And then Arya says, long live the queen. Yeah. And Cece falls. Uh, Arya's still holding the sleeve, and we get the shot of Cece prone on the ground, even though, I mean, that fall was, what, 15 feet? I yeah, mean, yeah, she's probably not dead. Though I wanted to, like, just imagine, you know, when Arya, like, poured the wine. Mm-hmm. It's carpet, same thing. Only now it's blood. Oh, it's not blood. Um, so after the commercial, we're still looking at Cece's like motionless body there. Arya, Hannah, and Emily run over to her. Um, Spencer's coming back inside just then. Arya's She's back from wherever she was. Arya's like leaning up against something, like taking this encounter in, you know, kind of like gathering herself up. Spencer asks, basically, is Cece dead? Um, Emily says that Cece fell. They turn away from Cece to talk this out. Emily points out that, you know, Arya tried to save her. Spencer hugs Arya. Hannah tells her this is not. Yeah, Spencer's like holding Arya close, you know. Um, we see that Cece's hand is like flinching a little. She's alive. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, look, Arya, this isn't your fault. So Arya's just trying to like gather all the attention to her. Like, guys, I think I killed someone. It was awesome. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, Cece's hand starts twitching because of course she's still alive. It was like a 12 foot drop. Right, right. Uh, and Emily says, are you sure you're okay, Arya? Did she hurt you? And Arya says, we should just call the police. And then they look back and Cece's body is gone. And it's like, how did you not notice that, Spencer? Yeah. It was right in your eye line. The PLLs look around mystified. Hannah's like, God, this bitch has nine lives. Spencer, Spencer is surprised by this, of course, but she has bigger fish to fry. She's like, guys, we need to get out of here now. Come on. I have something to show you. So we're out on the street. We're heading towards that building that Redcoat, the other Redcoat, led Spencer to a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Spencer's telling the other liars that she thinks that Redcoat she was following might have been Allie and that she wanted Spencer to follow her. She waited. Yeah, at the it's door. like because Redcoat was kind of taking her time. Like she wanted to make sure Spencer kept up. Waiting at the door, waiting at the corner. Spencer leads them inside that building that we saw a moment ago. They look at that same staircase that Redcoat went up a few moments ago. And Spencer says, and this is what Allie wanted us to see. And the girls ascend the stairs. Mm-hmm. 
and then they come into a room and the the first thing we see in this room after they open the door is on one of the walls in the kind of the hallway entryway here there's a giant poster like or picture whatever giant picture of Allie, like five by five feet big and it's Allie is looking right at the camera blowing a bubble of bubble gum mm -hmm. with like big eyes it's a very weird kind of like candid shot of Allie. it's it's weird and fascinating like this it's, is this is an alley obsession whoever whoever's picture this is but it, it's a different kind than what we've seen i'd say well and it's such a it's adoring yeah it's it's indicative of like i think just youth like mm -hmm. youthful exuberance and it's the kind of photo that whatever whoever took this photo allison obviously knew about it you know this is a moment that she was sharing with somebody mm -hmm. which makes it really stand out from a lot of the like voyeuristic like stalker photos that a usually has yeah we see there's another one that it's just it's like a weird frame photo of her eye between like fence posts this is basically uh, like a hallway of like flicker slides yeah there's another of her kind of wagging a finger at the camera she looks back at it these huge huge photos hanging on the wall uh, as the liars walk in, kind of creeped out, we see that there's a poster for the uh, Halloween train is in there. And the poster has like kind of like a big ghost like eyes on it. It's, like a, it's like a mishmash like of stuff. And in, in one of the eyes, it's, there's a, an actual like hole, like somebody's watching them through the eye of this poster. Somebody yeah. with blue eyes and, and dark eyeshadow, yeah, like yeah. Allie sometimes has. Mm -hmm. And so the liars walk in looking around and they, there's like big whiteboards with pictures of all of them and all these like kind of note cards and you know three by fives and uh, timelines yeah timelines uh what kind of dialogue do we have here we, we see hannah's we see emily's emily's features uh notes about her spying on shauna jenna melissa meeting of dr vargas meeting of bruce willis's daughter zoe mm -hmm. we see arias which mentions uh byron's affair moving to iceland spencer tells us that a is documenting everything well because aria says what is this place and spencer says i think it's a's lair um yeah the timelines uh yeah, timeline for each of us, all your secrets, private moments, he's documenting everything. An interesting thing where we cut to just like a small journal with a lock on it, like amidst all these like weird timelines and photos, and Hannah like grabs this little journal and just puts it in her purse like she recognizes it. She well, doesn't say anything to the other liars about it. It should be noted that the desk that Hannah pockets this diary from, that section of the room, is where we saw Cece taking that call in the last yes, episode. Yes, it is. Where yes, she was leaving is. the voicemail about how she's sure as shit not going back to Rosewood. So elsewhere in this lair, uh, the girls come up on a fancy computer setup. There's like a desk where there's a big monitor on one desk, and then behind it, there's a, like three monitors laid out. Mm -hmm. There's a big like tower computer. It's like a control center area. Yeah, Hannah asks what this is. Spencer points out that this is how A's been watching them. We hear Emily ADR to say, A is watching the police, monitoring the streets, our alarm systems. We kind of pan across the four liars as they take this all in, ending on Aria. Uh, we see the computers are password locked. And Spencer says, that's how A is everywhere. And, you know, nowhere, too. And nowhere. So, they found an A layer, or have they? Or this have is they. a much different kind of layer. This This layer does not feature crazy hate shrines to alley and that sort of thing also there's not like shitty like it's, it's very music clean play. yeah like yeah. Uh, so elsewhere. clean organized lair yeah elsewhere at the river valley bed and breakfast shauna i keep wanting to call her shauna thing but that's just not worthy uh shauna gets out of jenna's car and walks to the entrance of this bnb and we see toby's like skulking from afar watching from behind a tree 
Mm-hmm. He's followed her here. He's basically where he was in the premiere of this season. Yeah. Shauna walks up to the porch of this place and, hey, there's Mona. She's just sitting in a chair, uh, like a rocking chair in front of this B&B, knitting. Mm-hmm. Knitting. There's another person that knits. Mm-hmm. Take that, Arya. <laughs> and uh, Shauna, or Mona says, you sure she's okay with this? And Shauna says, she doesn't have a choice. And Shauna hands Mona a white end envelope. And tell Mona's like, have a seat. And Toby's watching all this, kind of like squinting, like his mind is blown. He doesn't know how to process this. Like, Shauna and Mona are meeting somewhere, exchanging envelopes. So they changed Shauna's last name eventually to Shauna Fring. And I know from Shauna Costume Shop. Yeah. And everyone made the joke that, oh, it's uh, obviously a Breaking Bad reference. Mm -hmm. Is this really just their joke, Shauna thing? Shauna Mm -hmm. Fring? Shauna Um, Fring. uh, Should we say what they're actually doing there? No, no, there's. Okay. We can get to that later. All right. So meanwhile, back in that Ravenswood lair, Spencer, Emily, and Arya are gathered around why Hannah is sitting at the computer trying passwords to get in. We see this like time lapse of Hannah continuously like trying. Yeah, as they the other liars move around looking through all the other shit. This whole episode is consistently like Hannah trying to do things and failing. (laughs) Um. So later we see that Hannah's on the phone with Caleb as she tries yet another failed password. She tells him it's not working. He asks if she hit shift and command when she entered the numbers, and she's like, "That would not do anything." Yeah, she's like, I did exactly what you told me to do. Yeah, and so he cut to Caleb with the brew. He doesn't like the idea of the girls being alone there, but he can't get, to, you know, he can't get into that computer from here. And Hannah says, well, I'm not going to say don't come. And he says, well, I'm not waiting for Toby. He's still at the hotel. Mona might be safe, but that doesn't mean she's not in on this. So, like, Toby has his fucking car. Yeah. And so Caleb's just, like, stuck here holding his dick because Toby couldn't have driven his own car. Well, at this point, is there nobody that Caleb could like borrow a car from? Can he not like rent a car? Can he get like a cab? I mean, his. I'll bet Ashley would help him out. Just call her Ashley mm-hmm. anytime. Um. So you know, Hannah asks when she'll see Caleb. Caleb checks the wall clock. Says that. Well, he'll... the way he checks the clock, there's something strange and ominous about it because it he just looks over his shoulder as like Rack focuses to the clock behind him. Because time is running out. There's everything about Toby in this episode or uh, Caleb in this episode is just like time is running out. What's going yeah. on, Caleb? Are you leaving us? He says he's going to get on the next bus. And I thought, oh, shit, no, don't go to Ravenswood, Caleb. Um, mm-hmm. So from another side of the, the room in that Ravenswood lair, we hear Spencer say that she thinks that she's found A's bank account. We see that she's going through like a ledger. Um, you know, Hannah just tells Caleb you know, the caller when he's on the road. They hang up. The liars all rush over to where Spencer's like flipping through the pages of the financial ledger. Spencer says that it looked like A formed a corporation. Hannah kind of comes over and just casually drops. Didn't Cece study finance at UPenn? Mm, nice misdirection, Hannah. Uh, yeah, this is, it appears to be like expense reports. It's a lot of like a lot of notations for PI expense or uh, income or bank charges, but there are a couple for CC Drake in there. Fund transfers. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and so Hannah or Spencer says, "Yeah, but I don't think this is hers. It looks like she was just on the payroll." Uh, there are two payments made to CC Drake last week. Emily says, "Maybe A paid her to dress up as Redcoat." And Ari says, yeah, to lead us away from Allie. Through the poster eye, we see that the girls are still being watched. Hannah goes and opens up the closet, which is right by the door. There's a Looks bunch. like a wardrobe. Yeah, like a wardrobe. You know, on the other side is Narnia, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a bunch of what looks like basically like suit jackets hanging in there, some men's fancy shoes. And Hannah says, I think that A is a guy. And the girls kind of come over and look at the coats in the closet. Now, who do you think of when you see these? These, these suits? Well, well, I'll... Who's your just your first thought? I did not suspect 
who it could be only because that person doesn't wear suits. Well, see, when I see these, I immediately think of Ren. Okay, I can see that. You know, Ren, Ren wears suits for his tiny little well, body. You're right. I think I did think that initially, which is interesting where this goes almost immediately. Emily then holds up a giant photo album and asks if the others, other lives have seen this yet. We go over and we see that there's basically photos of Allison laying around a pool or near a fountain or something. Hannah looks at this and says that she was with Allison when she bought the shirt that's there in the pictures and that she, Allison had told her that she needed the shirt for a date with an older guy. Hannah says, maybe Ian. Spencer then says, or Ren. He's been hanging out with Sean and he's back with Melissa. Arya then walks over to the ti- one of the timeline walls, and she says that she doesn't think Ren is A. She looks at a photo where it looks like Ren in silhouette in an intimate moment with what I think is supposed Spencer. to be Spencer. Yeah. The caption says, you know, around this time, Ren at Radley. Yeah. And Arya and... points out that A has been watching Ren too, which I thought was interesting because, yeah, uh, yeah, you are kind of supposed to think Ren. Well, it, they immediately shoot that. And then, Ar- well, then Arya, very suspiciously, immediately shuts that down. Well, I think shutting the, it down is what Arya does. I think the very suspiciously is implied of everything Arya does. Mm-hmm. Um, Spencer says that she thinks all roads lead back to board shorts. Yeah. Uh, so, Spent, yeah, she says the name of the company is Shabby, uh, and that's Allie's favorite beach in Cape May. And Arya's kind of wandering around the lair somewhere looking at the various pictures and other big boards that are up there. Uh, Hannah asks Spencer if she thinks board shorts is the one taking pictures of Allie. Is that who Cece's working for? Uh, Arya is like looking at this whiteboard. It seems to be dedicated to Allie's disappearance. This whole board. It's all these kind of newspaper clippings. There's a Vivian Darkbloom ID there. So this person is aware of Vivian Darkbloom and the, the false identity. Uh, just real quick side note, backtracking. Shabby is what we both heard. Apparently mm-hmm. it's, it's spelled in a way that I would think it'd be pronounced like Higby. Uh, it's a real beach in Cape May. Um, it's known for being a haunted nudist beach, uh, which is funny because that's Allison's favorite beach. It's also pointed out that Cape May is probably about a two-hour drive from Rosewood. Yeah, and then Emily says, look, this is a letter from Allie. She met this boy in Rosewood, and she lied about her age. He thought she was 18. Uh, we see that there's this letter is like in the photo book. It's almost like it's a scrapbook of a relationship. Yeah, you can uh, read the whole note. Should I read you the note? Sure. Uh, says, you're taking me away from my 18th birthday, and all I can do is say yay. And there's like all these weird rhymes in this. Uh, but you're better with words than me. Seriously can't believe I met you in Rosewood. I thought I knew this town. Nothing but bores and lies. Its best kept secret was you. But you're my secret now. My friends wouldn't understand. They want this to be their weekend, but I want to be the person who shows you the cape. You can hate the ocean, but I promise you'll like the view. That's if you're with me. Maybe we can take a few pictures, too. <laughs> the rhyming is so so strange. Uh, one's worth like a hundred thousand words. Our imagination can take care of the rest. For now. Your favorite, Allison. So, it's, yeah, this is a weird, weird scrapbook vibe to this photo book it's kind of horrific innuendo as an adult because it's coming from a teenage girl who was even younger than the girls depicted on the show currently are although at the same time uh our imagination can take care of the rest for now i don't know i guess you could take that a few ways so emily points out that you know the the trip to the shore mr d told hannah about Ali never planned on inviting us. She was taking him there. Arya then sees something on the timeline, calls the others over. We see a picture of Redcoat. We see... Yeah, it's uh, in, there's a picture of Redcoat. 
Yeah, a note uh, made for Mrs. Grunwald. And Arya says, you guys, A hasn't just been watching us. I think that A has been following Allie, too. Arya points out that on the timeline that A, what they're thinking is the lair mm-hmm. belongs to, has Allison at the lodge in the night of the fire, and that he's been following her trail to Ravenswood. We see a map of Ravenswood there. Emily says, well, if Allie's been alive this whole time, then whose funeral do we go to? Important question. <laughs> Spencer yeah, is taking in the this box. In. Hannah looks over and sees a photo of what looks like a World War One gas mask person. She yeah. says that it's creepy, which it is. So World we, War One like soldier gas mask, very creepy. We then pan over to the picture from the gas mask person to a flyer from the Ravenswood Historical Society yet again. It's a for a, a night to remember, which I thought initially, oh, a Titanic party. Mm-hmm. Um, there's basically a fancy costume party being put on the period Ravenswood, attire requested. Yeah, in the Ravenswood Memorial Cemetery. Uh, the note says that they are celebrating the long and storied history of Ravenswood, PA. Yeah. Handwritten in red ink on the invitation. It says, tonight, Allison, 11 p.m. The flyer comes with an illustration of a family that's basically an Edward Gorey sketch. Um, yeah. So, uh, Hannah says, they're having a celebration tonight. And R.A. says, yeah, and Board Shorts thinks that Allie is going to be there. Spencer says, which means that we have to find her first. Well, I love that the, the titles are interchangeable. Uh, you know, A, Board Shorts. Like mm-hmm. to the girls, it's the same thing. Um, so, so the girls, the, yeah, the liars, they, they exit the building. Uh, they're back on the main street looking around. It's nighttime and foggy and creepy outside now. They and see, then f- from behind them, the well, group, first they see a couple strolling down the street in Edwardian garb. Well, that's just normal in Ravenswood. Yeah. And then they hear a voice. behind. Yeah. Them. Uh, they hear a voice. It's a Greenwald saying it's a beautiful night for a party, but it's for invited guests only. And they turn and behold the Grunwald. And Spencer says, how did you know we were going to? Uh, they're all like pretty creeped out. And Grunwald like introduces herself. And Emily says, we have somewhere to, we need to be. And Grunwald says, I know, but it's dangerous for you to be, go chasing after her. Oh, shit. And the liars are even more creeped out. And Ari says, are you talking about Allison? Grunwald just, just smiles a little. And Spencer says, who you said you never met. And Grunwald says, I'm sorry I lied to you, but I did it to protect her. Emily says, from who? Grunwald says, she was calling me that summer to find out. Spencer says, in the sorority house, it was you. And Grunwald kind of nods, says she was afraid. Meaning, yes, it was Grunwald, the house mother, who had the secret room with the phone number that Tippy the Bird recognized. Yeah, she was afraid, and she was right to be. Hannah says, what kind of help could you give her? And Grunwald says, I have a gift, um, insight. I was using it to help Allison see who was threatening her. Lawless. The night she went missing, I felt something terrible. So Meg Foster does a great job here. Like, not only is she stern, solemn, terrifying in her own regard and ominous, but she also seems truly haunted. Yeah. Uh, so then we go to a flashback of the gazebo plot that night, the octagon where Allie was buried, and we see uh, hands start to come out of the dirt. Grunwald is in voiceover saying, I drove to Rosewood and I walked into her backyard, uh, and she was reaching for life. And so we see the Grunwald is the one who pulls Allison out of the dirt and kind of holds her. Mm-hmm. Uh, Allison looks very kind of confused and frightened. The Gr- shot of her coming out of the dirt is terrifying. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty creepy. Uh, and Grunwald says her head was bloody. She was very confused. She was in shock. I put her in the car and drove her to the hospital. And the liars are like just like fascinated and horrified by hearing this. We we see uh, that flashback of like them in Grunwald's like old timey car. We see Allison slumped there in the passenger seat. She's looking around. It's like she's 
not quite there, but she's also possibly like very feral, uh, Grunewald driving, looking mm-hmm. over Allison. It seems like Allison, it really seemed like she was prone to do something imminently, something unpredictable. Yeah, she's the gears are turning now, like flight, fight or flight response here. Grunewald says, uh, you know, she drew her to the hospital. I ran in to get help. When I returned, she was gone. Emily says, so you're saying Allie's still alive? And Grunewald says, haven't you all felt it? She was never really gone. <gasps> Emily says, have you seen her again? Grunewald says, seen her? Not since that night. Until she finds out who she can trust. And Han says, she can trust us. She knows that. And Grunewald just kind of throws some shade at her. She's like, I wouldn't be so sure. Not with Arya in your midst. Yeah, Arya is speechless. Unsure what to say. She asks Grunewald why she can just go to the police. Um, Grunewald's like, because she doesn't want to be found. And Spencer's like, she doesn't want to be found. Why are you telling us this now? And Grunwald says, because you need to leave Rosen, Ro- Ravenswood. Ah, which <laughs> makes sense because this town is a gothic old nightmare. You need hellscape. to leave Ravenswood. You don't belong. Arya says, why? And Grunwald says, you're being watched. He's hoping you'll lead him to Allison. And the liars like hear some kind of like weird laughter behind them. Yeah, they, the woman's laughing. Yeah. They turn and look and, and Grunwald takes this cue to turn and walk away herself. And then she tosses off over her shoulder as she goes, he's here. Oh, creepy. <laughs> the liars are just like, oh, shit. Oh, we need to Fully creeped underwear. out. Yeah. Meanwhile, on Main Street, Rosewood, Caleb is like chilling at the bus stop. What looks like a 60-year-old bus. Like a time-traveling bus, like exits a portal and pulls up to uh, Rosewood Which bus stop here. You should not get into because it can only lead to the afterlife. This oh. bus looks like it's from the 1950s. It's one of the old, like, kind of aluminum siding type ones with all the rivets. And- Doors open up a squeak. Caleb gets on the bus. We see the ticker above the windshield slowly change from Rosewood to Ravenswood. Uh, hmm. Where's Caleb going? Could he be going to Ravenswood? To hell. Um, mm-hmm. So back in Ravenswood, the four liars are walking. They're on the move. Arya is interested in this scene. She says, maybe she's right. Maybe we should just leave. Emily's like, so we're just supposed to pack it in because the soothsayer tells us so. Don't mix up your Shakespeare plays, Emily. Arya says, well, for all we know, she could be on A's payroll. She can't prove any of that story is real. I mean, Arya the Contrarian has just switched sides instantaneously. Yeah. Spencer says, Allie was calling Grunwald because she believed that she could help her. And Hannah says, yeah, I believe her too. She was telling us what we're thinking, right? That Allie's still alive? And Arya says, no, that's just what a good charlatan does. She tells you what you want to believe. Which is a know. good point because, I mean, that that is, that's what the Grunwald is. She's a psychic, theoretically, you know. When Arya can sympathize. Um, mm-hmm. Emily's like, well, maybe Grunwald doesn't want us to come tonight because she knows that Allie will be there. Spencer says, you know, an aide's going to be looking for her. So it's interesting to note that the three liars, Spencer, Emily, and Hannah, are kind of in a line facing towards Arya by herself. Mm-hmm. Arya looks past liars, sees several people in like period dress heading in one direction. Then Arya looks over to the shop, you know, window next to them and see that sees that there's Mindful similar, <laughs> yeah, similar period clothing. So in the visual language of TV, this is a costume shop. Well, it's like, oh, how convenient. There's a, a shop that sells old timey period clothing when we need it yeah, right Arya's, here. Arya's like, we're crashing a party. Yeah. So they head inside and we see the, the kind of a tall person wearing black has been watching them. And this person watches them go inside and then heads across the street. Well, I think not just the physique, but I think you're kind of led to believe this is a man. Mm-hmm. I think solely because hands in the pockets. Yeah, hands in the pockets. Girls usually don't have pockets, but hands in their jeans. Uh, so this person walks across the street and then, then they're entering the Wait, layer. The dissolve on their back from mm-hmm. them entering that layer. Entering the, the layer, looking around the camera turns around and who is it it's ezra oh shit oh my god it's ezra a 
Uh, and he, he kind of, he looks around his whole layer here, uh, and then, you know, kind of, kind of annoyed look on his face. And then he, he grabs the door to the wardrobe there and just slams it shut. Like he's pissed. He's frustrated. You can't believe this. Looking around all over the place now, kind of like worried and, you know, tense. He's breathing hard. Yeah. Hashtag Ezra. Ezra like, with little, a big e, capital A. Little E, big A. Um, it's, Ian Harding of his typical like Superboy looks. He's wearing like a dark coat and like a black baseball cap. He looks like a child predator, basically. Mm-hmm. Like evil. This Superboy. is this is his dune dirt outfit. Then we get a combo Ravenswood slash A tag. We see an illustration of what looks like a World One soldier, uh, probably suffocating due to mustard gas. Then we see a propaganda poster. A uh, it's a soldier and a child together. The tagline is. A million boys behind a million fighters, which I think is basically the plot of Ravens with the show, right? Not sure. Yeah, and then we see uh, somebody wearing one of those old doughboy uniforms with the gas mask on, lacing up their boots, and then they stand up, and they're breathing like Darth Vader because they have this old-school gas mask on, and they just kind of look around menacingly. The old-timey record music dissolves and more ominous music. Mm-hmm. Are you my mummy? Um, and that, ladies and gents, is season 4A. Now you see me. Now you don't. Uh, yeah, this is a long episode. Uh, so the next week uh, will be the Halloween episode, Grave New World, that has such people in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that episode, is that a Nightmare on King one? I can't remember if it is or not. Let me take a look here. It is actually uh, Marley, I am Marlene King, Joseph Doherty, and Oliver Goldstick all did the writing. Ron Lagomarsino did the directing. Mm. And this is the this is the Halloween episode for season four. It's not actually Halloween, but it's you know it's there airs during Halloween times. They're special, yeah. And of course, there will be goofy costumes because they're going to a weird old school celebration where everybody dresses like they're from the twenties. I believe it's the Ravenswood Founders Day like celebration or something like that. Sure, it's a celebration of the Rosewood Historical Society. Ravenswood Historical Society. Ra- Ravenswood, yes. Which has to be like 19 times as creepy as a Rosewood Historical <laughs> Society. I think we've already actually seen that in season one. Probably. Yeah. Uh, so that was the episode. Um, Allie, seemingly alive, rescued by the Grunwald, possibly running around as Redcoat with Cece. Mm-hmm. So we know Cece's Redcoat, uh, but Cece seems to be on the payroll of Ezra. Hmm. Well, and it's interesting, too, because you have, is Ezra A? Is he not A? Is he gas mask Doughboy Man? Is he not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and how, out of all of this madness, will they hatch a spinoff? <laughs> yeah, so, and, well, we'll get to that next episode. We'll talk <laughs> about that. Um, but, yeah, I think we're about done here. Don't want to yeah. let this go too much longer. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can go to our website page which is broswatchpll2.com and see your podcast and all that if you want to tweet at us we're at broswatchpll2 if you like the podcast and if you like helping us out head on over to iTunes and rate or review it I think we got a couple more recently didn't we I can't remember if we talked about these yet yeah we did Um, we did okay so you know thanks everybody thanks for the reviews thanks to is it Crystal who recently mm-hmm. just like tweeted us and said she enjoys the show. Thanks, Crystal. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And we will be back soon enough to talk about Grave New World. Mm-hmm. See you then. Bye-bye.